real high. I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, I need you to say it like a church. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It is always a light unto our path. And Father, as I surrender to the Spirit of God today, I thank you for the anointing of God to not only flow through me, but to your people. I step back so the Spirit of God can step up to minister in in areas of our lives that I may not even be aware of. I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders to follow your word as you have promised. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the thanks and all the adoration for what you're going to do in our lives as a result of your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Two weeks ago, I started a new series entitled, I Give Up. Just look at your neighbor and say, I give up. Every year as a senior pastor, I take a tithe or 10% of the year, which is about five to six weeks. And I use that time to teach on giving and on financial principles. Now, this helps us as a church and as people stay properly positioned in our hearts in putting God first financially in our lives. This also will help us give in faith. Everybody say give in faith. It will also help us give in faith for our miracle offering, which will take place the whole month of March. Now, let me give a disclaimer because I like to do this when I talk about money. Just look at your neighbor and say, yeah, he's talking about money. Here's the disclaimer. Just like the message of salvation is needed for people to hear for them to get saved. Just like the message of healing is necessary for people to have faith to get healed. Well, the message of financial prosperity must be taught in order for you and I to have faith to prosper. Amen. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, today's topic is the deception of giving. The deception of giving. And I believe if you will maintain an open heart, I don't care if you've heard giving before, if you will maintain an open heart, I believe God will minister to you. I want you to find three verses of scripture. We're going to go to Matthew 6 verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. Then we're going to go over to second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six. And then we're going to end in first Kings chapter 17, verses one. That was Matthew 6, 19, second Corinthians nine, six, and then first Kings chapter 17, verse one. Now, in the first lesson that I did about two weeks ago, I made a very bold statement and I want to repeat it again this morning. I said, and here's quote unquote, I'm quoting myself. There is no other way to show God that he is first place in your life financially other than how you give to him. 
touch your neighbor and say, did you hear him? Okay, I'm going to rewind it. Okay, I said two weeks ago, there is no other way to show God that he is first place in your life financially other than how we give to him. And I used the verse that was found in Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at it. In Matthew 6, 19, and if you don't, it's on the screen or will be on the screen. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now I want you to notice he's saying, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and dust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Look in verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I love the Living Bible uh, translation. It says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away or may be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. Here's verse 21. If your prophets are in heaven, your heart will be there too. I said this last week. Where we deposit our treasure will always expose the location of our hearts. Where we store our treasure, where we deposit our treasure, will always expose the location of our hearts. What am I saying? I'm saying wherever your your heart is, all you have to do is follow the trail of your money. I mean, if your hearts are toward your children, you're going to spend money on them, right? If your heart is toward your wife, you're going to spend some money on her, hopefully, right? Right? And the problem with most believers is we, when it's time for us to make a withdrawal here on earth, we've made no deposit in heaven. Amen. So I'm going to give you a take-home thought. Everybody say take-home thought. Everybody say hmm. The external thermostat, giving is the external thermostat that measures the internal temperature of our hearts. I'm going to say it again. I'm reviewing because half of you weren't here two weeks ago. Here we go. Giving is the external thermostat that measures the internal temperature of our hearts. And see, most people never view their giving with the mentality of I'm giving up. See, most people, when they give, they think that they are giving to or watch this or giving at a person. But you don't listen. This is why most people's hearts are off in the body of Christ. Because listen, if your mentality is you're giving to a man, then that's where your expectations of your harvest is going to come from. But see, God is the Lord of the harvest. Even though I might, watch this now, he might use me to bless men, he wants my expectation to come from him when the harvest time comes. Amen. And most people start their giving with the perspective of how much they are giving out. And if your giving starts there, you will never properly give up. Amen. Now, most people have never been taught properly from the word on giving. And this is why I do it. Because uh, they never connect giving with the condition of their hearts. See, most people think that giving has all to do with what I have. Or what I want to do when giving actually starts from the heart. Now go to 2 Corinthians 9. Go to 2 Corinthians 9. This particular verse, we point out 
in our confession that we do every Sunday with our giving. I want to point this out because this is why the enemy loves to get our hearts off. This is why tons of people in church, when it comes to even a pastor talking about money, automatic offense comes up. And the offense is from, you know, their last pastor who may not have done right. Or this TV pastor that they see that they've never met. But see, listen, anytime you obey a principle from the word, it should not be based on what a man told you. It should be based on what the word of God says. Second Corinthians 9, I'm going to show you that giving starts with our heart. It says, but this I say, verse 6, he who sows little shall reap little and he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Here's verse 7. Here's the principle. Every man according as he purposes where? Where? He purposes in his heart. Watch this now. So let him what? Give. So when you and I give, we're giving from our heart. Now see, I see somebody, some people saying, well, then that means nobody should tell us what we ought to give. Well, now you have to understand when you're going to read the Bible, you got to read it in totality. Because in my first lesson, I pointed out that when, when God had Abel and Cain to come and they gave to him, the reason why he rejected Cain's offering and he accepted Abel's because evidently there was a standard he was expecting them to give by. And when he explained it to him, Cain didn't do it and Abel did. So there's a standard. Everybody say a standard. There's a standard in which God wants us to give. And the issue here is most people, because you don't start giving till you have already returned to God what belongs to him. When you return what belongs to God, then giving starts. And most people, they don't understand how important their hearts are when it comes to giving. This is why forgiveness is so important. You're not forgiving your baby daddy. Or not forgiving him because of what he did or didn't do. You're forgiving him for your sake. Watch this now. The cleaner your heart, the faster your harvest comes. Amen. So the act of giving does not start on the outside. The act of giving actually starts on the inside. Which says if you are a stingy person. On the outside, that means you are a stingy person on the inside. Amen. Most people try to deceive themselves by using different excuses. Well, you know, if, if when I get out of debt, I'm going to give. Or when my ship comes in, I'm going to give. How many know your ship might not ever come in? You better use the boat you got. Now just touch your neighbor and say, he's about to say something strong. Go on and tell him. Most people who have not learned to put God first financially in their lives, they may say, I love God. And you know what? In reality, they, they do love God. But the fact of the matter is, they love money more than God. Okay, let me say it in a softer way. They trust money more than they trust God. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. You don't have to turn there. I just want to read it. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. While some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The Living Bible says this, for the love of money is the first step towards all kinds of sin. 
See, money brings out of you what's already in there. It only magnifies or multiplies what, what, who you are and what you like. I mean, if you are a drinker and you get more money, you're going to buy more drinks. I'm talking about Sprite and Coke, though. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Come on. And here's what we don't understand. God never measures our ability to handle increase by what we might get in the future. God measures our ability to handle increase on how we are currently managing the money we have. And so, so many people won't increase from God, but they're not showing him with their, with what they have in their hands. Luke 16, 10, I mean, it is, it's very clear. It says, he that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in that which is much. In other words, God looks at what we do with what we have to determine what he's going to give us in the future. Amen. So turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 17. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. 1 Kings 17, uh, and we're going to start in verse 1. This story is about uh, Elijah. And uh, what I'm going to point out in this story is I'm going to give you four, uh, four deceptions about giving that I believe most people have believed. Four deceptions. Amen. In 1 Kings 17, it says, the, uh, And Elijah the Tishabite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord your God lives, before whom I stand, there will not be dew or rain these years, but according to what my word. And then verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Elijah, He says, I want you to go and turn eastward, and I want you to hide yourself by the brook Cherith. And verse 4 says, It shall be that you're going to drink of the brook and then watch now what God says he says I have commanded the ravens to feed you there God had already set up provisions for Elijah before he got there in other words what I want to say to you is when God guides you he should provide for you if you get to a place in your life where you don't see provision there's one or two problems either God didn't lead you there Okay, because where God leads, he feeds. Where God guides, he provides. What kind of father would God be if he led me to a place of lack and scarcity? What Would you do that to your children? God, well, he doesn't, doesn't do it to us. So either one or two things. Either God didn't lead you there, or watch this now, you got there prematurely. The problem with most people is when they're trying to figure out God's purpose for their life. And and when they finally discover the what, they don't ask the when and the where. Listen, what God wants you to do is very important. But when and where he wants you to do it is just as important. Amen. Had Elijah decided to go somewhere else, God didn't tell the raven to go to the Jordan. He told him to go to... To the brook Cherith. Look in verse 4. He says, And there you shall drink of the brook. I've commanded ravens to feed you. Verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith. By the Jordan. Before the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. And bread and the flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while. Say after a while. After a while the brook dried up. In other words where God led him began to lack. Because there was no rain. Look at verse 8 though. The word of the Lord came to him and said, Now I want you to arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon. And I want you to go there. 
Because I have commanded. Here it is. God has already set up provision for Elijah before he got there. He says, I've already commanded a widow woman to sustain you. Verse 10. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he got to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called her. He says, hey, would you fetch me? I pray a little water in a vessel. And as she was going to fetch it, see, it didn't cost her nothing. Water is free. Unless you buy an Ozarka. It's free in most cases. She went it. As she went to fetch it. Then he said in, in verse uh, uh, 11. Bring me, I pray, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, of the, uh, she said, as the Lord your God live, I don't have a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruiser. If I say a little. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do what you have said, but make me a cake. What? He said, make me a cake first. Now, I want you to notice here that when he got to her and asked her for something, she said, hold on, man of God. I don't have enough for you. In fact, all I have is a little. And after my son and I eat this small meal, we're going to die. Here's deception number one. You may want to write this down if you're taking notes. Deception number one about giving is God will never ask me to give to him if I'm struggling. I'm going to say that again. God will never ask me to give to him if I'm struggling. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you agree with me that this widow woman was struggling? And see, the deception or the lie that most church people believe is that if I'm struggling, God wouldn't ask me to give. In other words, if I'm in debt, why should I tithe? When I Listen, when I get out of debt, I'm going to start tithing. You'll probably never get out of debt. Amen. Watch this now. God will never ask me to give to him if I'm struggling. Because verse 11 makes it clear. He says in verse 11, bring me, I pray, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God live it, I have not a cake. But then watch in verse 13. He says unto her, fear not. Because that's the biggest factor that keeps people from giving is their fear. Their fear is, will God come through? You know, I tweeted something this week. If you're not following me on Twitter, if you would just go and find me and follow me. I'm just going to throw that in as an advertisement right now. And I don't tweet a lot, but I I tweeted something that I thought was very powerful. I said, uh, if you can't trust your pastor, it's either for one or two reasons. Either you have the wrong pastor or you don't trust God. Because, see, the scripture says that God, watch this now. He will give you a shepherd or a pastor after his own heart. So if I can't trust my pastor, it's either because I got the wrong one or watch this now. Or I don't trust the heart of God towards me. This is why single people, you, you can't afford to date a lot. Because your heart gets damaged too much. Now when God sends the right one, look at your neighbor and say he's talking to somebody right now. God sends the right one to you. You can't even trust them because you've been hurt too much. I just thought that I'd throw that in right there. Okay, thank you. So, even though this widow woman was struggling, God's servant still asked her to give. And let me tell you why. Because there is no perfect time to give. Write down Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 
chapter 11, verse 4, it says this. He that observes the wind will not sow. And he that regards the clouds will not reap. The New New Century Translation says, those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. Those who look at every cloud will never harvest crops. In other words, there's no perfect time to give. No perfect time. But I tell you what, the perfect time is when God tells you to. See, there are so many different ways to give. You know, you can give systematically. That's, you know, giving on a consistent basis. And then you can give sacrificially. That's when you give over and above when God leads you. Everybody say years ago. I, I like to tell my story and I'm going to get my story in you because you're going to find yourselves as members in a situation, something like what I was in. But years ago when I wasn't even a pastor, I'm sitting in a meeting just like this. And uh, we had a guest evangelist and the guest evangelist was preaching when, when she got done preaching. She said, you know what? I believe God wants some of you all in here to give a thousand dollars. I was like, that ain't me. Because first of all, I didn't walk up in there expecting to give a thousand dollars. So I was like, she ain't talking to me. Because at that time we had a house. We were in the process of buying our first house. And so I was like, well, I ain't, well, I says, I ain't giving her no thousand dollars. So I sat there and, you know, at that time I had graduated to being a hundred dollar man. In other words, I was a hundred dollar giver. You ask for a hundred dollars, I ain't got no problem, I'll give you a hundred dollars. So I was waiting on her to come down to a hundred. She got a long way to go because she had a thousand right now. I said, we're going to be in church all night to now. So she stayed on the thousand. Then she came down to five hundred. I believe some of you, God wants some of y'all in here to give five hundred dollars. And I was like, she ain't talking to me either. I was looking just like this too. You know how when uh, somebody's asking us to do something we're not ready to do, and we just give that look. I was giving her that look. Apparently, it didn't work. She came down off the stage, off the stage. And comes up to me and, and, and you know, when it was happening, I didn't think it was happening. So it turned slow motion on me. Here she comes and this is how she looked to me. She was up. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this woman is coming toward me. The devil is alive. And this, she came right up on me. She said, man, God, if you'll get that money, God will bless you. And I was thinking, well, how you know I got the money? Do I look like I got the money? Apparently so. And you know, I ain't got no problem saying no. I have no problem saying no. And uh, I looked at my wife because, you, you know, we had never, ever given $500 in my life. Not as an offering. So I looked at my wife hoping for the first time she would disagree with me. I look at her and she's shaking her head. Yeah, I'm doing this. She's doing this right here. And she said, get her money. I was not happy. You know, I know God loves a cheerful giver, but he don't hate an uncheerful one. I was not cheerful. And I'll never forget, I, 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 wrote, I wrote, I was writing a check. She said, write on the envelope, man of God, everything you want God to do. And, you know, I just did it because she told me to. I wouldn't necessarily believe him, you know, but I was like, well, she's saying it, so let me just obey the prophet. So we wrote it down, and my wife had this refrigerator she wanted for this new house that wasn't in the budget. 
And I mean, it was the one with ice and crushed ice. I know that's the norm now. It wasn't the norm back then. We had ice trays. <laughs> she wanted this fridge with the ice and the crushed ice and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I wrote it down on there and long story short, you know, the next day I got a call from the mortgage company. Mr. Connor, I'm sorry, we, we can't approve your loan. I'm like, for what? He was like, well, you, you don't qualify. Your debt ratio is too high. So you, you need to pay off one of your school loans uh, to qualify. And I'm thinking like, which school loan? Because, you know, I had a whole lot of them. I'm like, which one of them? And it was the one I owed like $2,000. I'm like, $2,000. I'm on the phone with the man. I'm like, $2,000. You want $2,000? Lord, that made me give $500. I'm $2,500 in the hole. This man don't know what I'm talking about. When I hung up, I was mad. And the Lord said, Evan, I led you to give the $500, even though she pushed me. He said, I wanted you to get it $500 because I knew you was going to come up short. And any time you need a harvest, you got to put some seed in the ground. So right there, I knew, okay, God's in this thing. He knew I was going to come up short. So I started confessing the word over that $500. And to make a long story short, a day after we closed on the, on the house, my wife's uncle called. And it was like 3 in the morning or something because he was in England. And the phone rang. And I wasn't getting up because I know it was a telemarketer at 3 in the morning. And she gets up and answers the phone. And while she's talking to him, she was talking a little long. I'm like, well, why is she taking so long to talk to a, a wrong number? <laughs> then she started giving our banking information up. I was like, well, let me get up and see who she's talking to. <laughs> our first $20,000 as a couple came in our lives. And I believe that $500 pushed out of the window what was already ours can i get an amen amen Amen. so the deception is you know god won't ask me to give when i'm struggling when the opposite of that is true here's deception number two if you're taking notes giving this is the deception that people think giving is for the pastor or for the person in whom i'm giving to if you notice see here's the problem in that story God didn't need that widow woman to give to the man of God to feed him because he had already done it with some birds in the other chapter. In other words, God didn't need her to take care of that man of God. The birds took care of that man of God before he got to her. Listen, God was just giving this, this, this widow woman an opportunity to change her life. Because that's what giving does. Giving is never for the ground. It is always for the giver. When a farmer takes some seed and he puts it in the ground, he doesn't walk away and never come back. Why? Because the seed that he put was not for the ground, it was for him. And a lot of times as givers, we think that it's for the pastor. Now watch Luke 6.38. You've heard it before, but I want to point something out here. It says, give and it shall be given unto who? You. It didn't say give and it shall be given to another person. See, giving's for me. Everybody say giving's for me. Giving is for me. Amen. When a farmer plants the seed, he plants it with expectation. And when you and I give, when we give into the kingdom, because if you don't see it as giving to the kingdom, if you, if you give to a man, you're going to anticipate your harvest coming from a man. And let me tell you something about me and men are flaky. 
Amen. Men are flaky. I want to be able to trust God. And so the deception is I'm giving to the person. And here's where the church world has a problem. Right here. And see, here's why I can teach this with boldness and purity. Because I believed this before I was a pastor. See, I believe this as the word. It doesn't matter who it is. And see, what, what we don't understand is even when the person up here, if they ain't right, God going to still provide for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I give it. See, now, that's if you if you give it to the man, then have a way he live is based on your harvest. I wouldn't do that. Now, I'm going to live right and I'm going to do right. And, you know, every now and then I might have to throw some coffee on somebody. But, I mean, for the most part, I ain't done it in a long time, y'all. But for the most part, listen, for the most part, you can't base your giving on the, on his living. It has to be based on what God's word says about you. Amen. Here's deception number three. Giving decreases me instead of increasing me. Giving decreases me instead of increasing. Look in verse 14. It says, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. If you notice, Elijah gave this woman a promise. He said, listen, what you have won't run out. If you'll notice, anytime God needed provision to come in whatever form or shape, it was always based on what the person already had. Remember when Moses was getting ready, he had ran from the Egyptians and the Egyptians were in front of him and the the sea was behind him and he was standing there. He said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. What did the Lord say? What's in your hand? Do you realize that this woman's salvation was based on what she already had? See, a lot of times we, 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 we look at what we have and we despise it because it may be little. That's why I love God. He gave everybody the same standard. He didn't give us an amount to give. He gave everybody a percent. So we, we all have to start at the same thing. See, watch this now. Even though your amount may be higher than my amount, I still get the blessings of the percent that you get. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 9, watch what it says here, because I'm going to show you that giving doesn't decrease you. It increases you. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, say always, you always having all sufficiency, watch this now, in what? In all things. And here is why, so you can abound to every good work. And here is why most people's harvest ends up drying up, because they don't continue the cycle by doing good works with it. God doesn't mind us living off of what we, what our harvest is, but you can't live off of your whole harvest because if you do, you stop the cycle. Notice he said that he wants to give us all sufficiency in all things so we can abound to every good work. Our giving is supposed to cause good works to abound. And if he knows you're going to do good with it, he's going to keep giving it to you. And see, sometimes we're not ready. We're not ready. For what God wants to say. And here's a deception number four. And then I'm going to close right here. Watch this now. Giving doesn't work. Or giving doesn't benefit me. Here's a, this is a deception. Giving doesn't work. 
it doesn't work or it doesn't benefit me. Everybody say years ago. I learned years ago that I had the gift of giving. I didn't know I had it though. See, you can have some gifts inside and they're dormant. And the only way something dormant is going to wake up is if you use it. So uh, years ago when I became a pastor, our first year, our church opened on March 27, 2005. And here it was. It was October 2005. And God was, I was at my first pastor's conference with uh, Apostle Hilliard. So I'm a brand new pastor, brand new church. And uh, I'm in my room, ironing my shirt, getting ready for service. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to give on behalf of Word of Truth Family Church? And he says, I want you to give $5,000. I said, I'm going to be doing that today. <laughs> I mean, I'm honest with the Lord. No, that, well, that, we will not be giving that today, Lord. I don't even know why I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, why are you going to ask God if you're not going to obey? Well, he asked me. He said, I want you to give $5,000. I'm not doing that today. So we got to service and it was offering time and, and you know, I'm Presbyterian. I grew up Presbyterian. 20 years Presbyterian. I'm still a Presbyterian in my heart. That's why I don't like long church. I'm Presbyterian. <laughs> so they had this thing where you gave publicly. Well, you, you know, you walk down there and you announce what you gave. And I, I had never seen anything like that before, but everybody was doing it. So I had to do it. So I wrote a check for $2,500. And I went down there and, you know, he asked you to do three things. Give your name, your church name, and your amount. So everybody would get up there and say, uh, there's Pastor Jones, uh, City Word Church, and uh, $400. You know, that's how people would do it. Well, you know, I'm a cheerful giver, even though I'm giving the wrong amount. I walked down there. I was like, $2,500. I didn't even say my name. I just went back to my seat. And... And these people look like, you know, cause I yelled it out loud and they was like, wow, who, who is that guy? You know how people are, who is that guy? Before I sit down at my seat, there was only three full-time staff at the time. Me, my wife, and this other person. And this other person looks at me and says, pastor, I think we're supposed to give another $2,500 as a church. I wanted to say the devil is a lie. But I couldn't say that cause I knew God, God was using this person. He didn't want me to flunk the test. And let me tell you something. Before increase comes, you got to take a financial test. See, some of you all's test is coming in March. It's coming. It's coming. Look at your neighbor and say, it's coming. It's coming. Anytime you, before you can graduate to a next financial level, you must pass the test on the level you're at. And God was trying to get me to pass the test. And I didn't. And so I, I was, the Bible says the, the rich young ruler, he was sad at that saying. I was sad at that saying. But I wrote the check out, $2,500. And then I had to go back down there and say it again. I said it. I didn't have as much excitement as the first time. But I went down and I was like, $2,500. And I went back to my seat. And when I sat down, I was frowning. My wife said, baby, why are you frowning? I said, because the Lord just told me to give my watch. This was not a good day for Pastor Evan. I'm saying, listen, giving, here's a lie. Giving doesn't benefit me. It doesn't, it doesn't bless me. And so the Lord told me to give my watch. And at the time, I had a nice Rolex watch. Y'all know me. I like bling. I'm just, that's just personal. Okay, it's personal. You know, some things are not seen. It's just preference. 
Come on now. Yeah, don't criticize somebody else's preference. If they got faith for it, let them have it. Amen. You got faith for a Honda, that's why you're driving one. You got faith for a horse, you... You know? Dog, gone out my time. So the Lord told me to give that, that watch, and I didn't want to give it. So I was sitting down, and my watch, wife asked me, and I told her what was going on. I was like, the Lord told me to give my watch. She was like, you better give it then. I'm thinking... So I was sitting there doing this. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm giving my watch a funeral. I'm saying bye. I got to give it up. So then my wife, all inspired. Y'all know her personality now. She was like, I'm going to give my watch too. How many know this is not a good day for Pastor Evan? I'm like, why are you going to give your watch? He didn't tell you to give your watch. But you inspired me. I'm like, what a day for inspiration. Her watch costs more than my watch. Go down there and put those watches in. Right before I put the watch in the bucket, the guy who was taking, who was holding the bucket, he said, hold on. This in front of everybody. Hold on. Let me see if it's real. (laughs) So I'm closing right here. I didn't realize. You all have heard the story before. But I didn't realize that my obedience in 2005 was going to benefit me into 2017 and 18 and 19 and 20. Because since then, Word of Truth Family Church has never struggled financially. We've always had every dime to pay every bill. Miss Fuller is my witness. You don't know what your seed that you're planting right now is designed to do for you and your future. Every head by every. Did y'all learn something this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap if you did. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just believe today God wants to break the fear of giving off of your life. He wants to readjust your heart so that you know when you're giving, you're not giving to the church. You're not giving to the pastor. You're not giving to some organization. You're giving it to him. If you read in Genesis, the Bible says when Cain and Abel came to give, the Bible says Cain brought it unto the Lord. Father, right now in Jesus' name, You said you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I break right now the spirit of fear that will try to control your people. The spirit of fear that will cause us to not trust you, but to trust the resources that we have. In Jesus' name, I take authority over fear. I bind it now and I bind the effects of fear that it may have on your people. And Father, I pray now, you said whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth shall be loose. And I loose now the Spirit of God. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I loose the Spirit of God to free your people. So that we can give, not grudgingly, nor out of necessity. Because you love 
a cheerful giver. And I thank you now, Father, for the angels of God ministering to the heirs of those who are salvation. That's what your word says. And I thank you, Father, that as, uh, as March approaches, we'll all have an expectation of the miracles that you're going to do in our hearts and in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. With every head still bow, here's my question. If you died today, are you 100?